Hey everyone, thanks for joining us for another episode of the Fox 12 Weather Podcast. This is episode 74 and today is Thursday, October 19th. I'm meteorologist Jeff Forgeron, joined by meteorologist Katie Suniga. Hey Katie. Good foggy morning to you all. <laughs> and chief meteorologist Mark Nelson. Hey Mark. Hey, good morning. I don't want to sound snooty, but I'm in that sunshine higher up right now. Mm. I had a feeling. No fog yeah. here. Mark, yeah, what's your official elevation at your house? Uh, 1,000 feet. I think I think 1,050 is probably like where I'm sitting here. But yeah, about 1,000. Well, yesterday when I was taking my kids to school, we went just a little higher and we were above it. Today mm. we were in it the whole way. Uh-oh. Yeah, it's, it's kind of like and I was thinking about uh, this when I was driving home. It's like just imagine a bowl of soup. And Mark stands on the edge of the bowl. And uh, meanwhile, Katie and I are inside of the bowl of soup. Mm-hmm. Uh, so mm-hmm. the soup oh, like represents, the yeah, it's, it's, <laughs> the, the soup represents the fog and the low clouds and the cooler conditions. And um, the edge of the bowl represents uh, the drier, you know, sunnier conditions that Mark is in this morning. So mm-hmm. uh, more of us will see that. Uh, but it's, you know what, it's getting later in the year. We're seeing that sun angle creep lower and lower. So it's going to get harder to get out of these inversions. Um, so we'll kind of talk about that maybe in a little while, but let's go over what we're planning for this podcast, episode 74. Um, we're going to update you on what the October numbers have looked like so far in Portland, uh, temperatures, how we've been compared to other Octobers and um, how much rainfall we picked up. Um, we're going to go over um, some, maybe some interesting weather coming in next week. We may have a chance of showers this weekend. Nothing Actually, we have more than a chance, uh, but it shouldn't be uh, too much. And then uh, maybe a more impactful system will come in Tuesday into Wednesday of next week. We'll talk about that. And then um, Mark has a big update. Mark, you uh, you were uh, <laughs> busy writing earlier this week in your weather blog. And so he's going to update us on what El Nino is looking like, how this could affect our, our weather this year and uh, our winter weather, rather. And uh, so a lot of details coming up. So, Jeff, I see when you type this up, this little outline this morning, you found the alt 0209 code. I, you know, the, Mark, N- I, N- I, I knew that was the code, but I hate to say it. I went to Google and searched Enye and copied and pasted it. I, I, that's I, what I, I do too, Jeff. <laughs> she oh, did. That's what the I professionals do. The do. <laughs> Katie doesn't have any excuses though, because it's in her name. Actually, I she, always copy oh, and paste it. Good point. Yeah. I always yeah. copy and paste it. It's just sure easier. You, I'm sure you have it memorized, right? That that code to type it out. Yeah, and it's different on a Mac than it is on a PC too. So, oh, of course, Macs always have to be different. Yep. It's easier on a Mac. Oh, there's less down. to it. Mm-hmm. Um. All right. So we're Mark has pulled up our first graphic here. So for anybody that's <laughs> listening right. to the podcast, Katie's going to help to kind of help you visualize yeah. what we're looking at here. So Katie, take it away. Okay, so what we have is a very warm start to October through the 18th. And for the again, for those of you that can't see, we kind of teetered in the 60s and 70s, hit those 480-degree days through the 8th, then dropped into the mid-60s for a bit. And then we're back up into the 70s, 60s. So it's been bits of ups and downs, but there are more ups than downs, obviously, if we're at 4.5 degrees above normal. And the fourth warmest October through October 18th. 
For those of you that are looking at this, you might look at those colors. I know people have asked me, what do they mean? So if it's gray, so we had a gray day on the 1st and the 14th, those are the days we hit average. And then if it's blue, the lighter the blue, the less deviation it is from the average temperature. So that 61 that we had on uh, Monday the 2nd is a dark blue because that was much colder than average. And then the 85, 85, 86, 81 are dark reds because those were way above average for those days. So so we like warm lots start. of color, lots of colors. We good. do the visualization. We, do. we want to show you, just not tell you. And then I so have, that's where we're at see. so far with October yeah. temperatures. Do we have one? Did we have one for rain too? Or oh, are we still looking at temperatures let's here? Stick with temps. Okay. Sorry, you know what's going on, folks? If you're not, uh, if you're not watching, Mark's in, Mark has the graphics control here. So there's like a driver. <laughs> I'm supposed to be the navigator, and and Katie's driving right now. Yeah. And she's saying, give me the right directions, Mark. <laughs> yeah. Something Sounds like Sounds like that. me teaching my 16-year-old how to drive. Yeah. Okay. So here, <laughs> here we have the maximum 18 days uh, mean average temperature is what we're looking at a graphic. So um, we're looking at, geez, what is that? 66 and a half. We are down at number four at 62 and a half. And that's so this number four spot ranked number four in October through the 18th. And I was going to add that this includes high and low temperatures. This is the average temperature. Yep, yep. The average. So you could have day, a so. month. You could have a month where, and we've seen this in the past. For example, the highs are all average, but if the lows are all above average, it's a quote warm month, even though it seemed normal during the day. But at, at yeah. one thing about this month has been those low temps. I think almost every single one has been above average. Yeah, mm. we haven't had very many yeah. days that I've noticed where we've been below at or below. And then this is the 31 day mean. So we're not on this one yet for this year because we have not finished the month. But last year ranks number one at 61 and a half degrees. That's still so warm. So yeah, last October is what Katie's saying. Yeah. Um, this is a look at warmest October's on record in Portland um, since records began. And so and I think a lot year. of you remember last October. We had a, mm -hmm. a lot of warm weather last October. 12 we days did. in the 80s. Yeah, which absolutely yeah. smashed the previous record, which was six, yeah. I believe. Um, yeah, right, and then as right. you go down to number two, it's 2015, number three is 2014, and then number four back in 1952. And, you know, if it was July or August, we could say halfway through the month, we could say, ooh, you know, we're, we're the warmest month so far. And actually, that is technically true right now. Wasn't that last number was a 66, mm -hmm. I think? Yes, yeah, so you could say, oh, my gosh, it's the warmest October on record. But in spring or fall especially – I mean, think in that last week, how much temperatures we know they go downhill. And right. so that's going to drag the temperature way down. So it's not really fair. I, I had a person uh, email me and say, it's the warmest October on record. And I said, well, yeah, as of yeah. it was like the 15th or the 14th. Yeah. So yeah. So yeah. that 66 will come down, but uh, we, we don't yeah. know how far. Well, especially, yeah. you know, and, and we'll get into this in a little while, the temperatures that we're looking at potentially next week for our highs will greatly mm -hmm. impact this. <laughs> Is that a tease? That sounds like a That's tease. A tease. <laughs> That's like a commercial tease. We'll, we'll see you after the break, folks. No, I'm kidding. Uh, so, yeah. and, and we mentioned this a, a podcast or two ago that October sees the biggest swing in average temperature. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. we tend to see a big change before for the, between the start of the month and the end of the month. And a lot of that has to do with sun angle, as we kind of mentioned a little while ago. So, all right, back to the guideline here, the outline of what mm. we're talking about. We're Let's get into the forecast. So it's obviously been a nice stretch of weather this week. We've had foggy mornings. We've had, you know, warm afternoons. High pressure is building, but it's it's expected to shift off to the east once we get into um, 
this weekend. Mark, I, I know you have something to say here. Can you tell my mouth is opening up and I'm looking yeah. at my mic? Even though you don't need to look at your microphone. I just, I'm older and it's like, I feel like I need to look at this technology for it to work. Um, well, I was going to say yesterday. Now I was off yesterday, but I know we had forecast low 70s in the valley and somehow PDX did make it to 73, but we have a pretty strong inversion right now. Uh, you know, I just looked at the Salem sounding from this morning. It was 48 at the surface, but from 2,000 feet to 4,000 feet, it's in the low to mid 60s. That's oh, amazing. So conversion. Yeah. So yesterday we had just a light easterly breeze, make it out to maybe Troutdale, just barely. We need mixing wind this time of the year to maximize our high temps. And we're just not getting that. We have no significant wind any direction today. And I know we've got low 70s in the valley, I think maybe in the forecast, but I see Eugene only made it to 66. So, I mean, do we all agree? It's like, ooh, the bust potential is there the next day oh, and tomorrow. I think maybe Friday, we'll... Friday yeah. is a scary day. Yeah. You is know... it still looking like that? The, does yeah. it still show the, the low, not, not just fog, but like low clouds, low clouds. into the valley? Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And um, you remember what was happening this time last year, guys? I don't actually I wasn't Katie. here yet. It was so... okay. Wasn't it the... rainy? We turned no. rainy or had so... we not turned rainy yet? We were we were dealing with that Nakia Creek fire, I believe. That's right, up north. And yeah. Mark, you just mentioned that it's getting harder to clear out of this inversion without wind. Um, we weren't just in an inversion; we had an inversion with smoke last year Ooh. in parts of the metro area. Oh, that's so right. we were Eek. we were kind of getting, um, the, you know, the pollutants were getting captured or kind of stuck in that inversion, and we were dealing with poor air quality. Um, so it's yeah, it's it's vital that we have wind, otherwise, um, you know. Any, something as simple as, you know, burning, you know, the burn piles or um, wood burning fireplaces can lead to poor air quality um, in sure. our valleys. So. Yeah. so yesterday, Mark, you know, you said you were off as I filled in for you last night. Um, when I came in, I was looking at all the things, you know, that we had looked at on Tuesday mm -hmm. and um, I was noticing and looking at for temperatures today. So I actually dropped it down a couple of degrees last night for Good today. Move. Because we, because of fog, we didn't start warming up until 11 o'clock. And so I dropped it down a couple and I didn't do Friday. I was on the edge. I almost took it down a couple, but I was like, I'm, I'm going to wait one more day. See oh, the drama. Goes. Yeah. We I never know. know. But I, I, boy, <laughs> tomorrow has a real bus potential. You know, we're going what, low seventies again. I could see tomorrow if the clouds don't, well, the fog doesn't clear clouds or fog. If they don't clear, we could be 62 tomorrow. That, I mean, that's a possibility. Yeah. yeah. So I and I did first. mention that last night. I said I showed the when the clouds come in, it showed them coming in around like eight o'clock in the morning. I was like, okay, so this is what we're saying. If these stick around, 60s. Yeah. If they don't, potential. So I kind of tried to cushion <laughs> in either direction. So it's funny because this is not like life altering weather. This isn't going to kill anybody. But, um, but we care. But we care. And, and yeah, I, I also want to prep people for like, hey, uh, it may not be very sunny tomorrow. That's a possibility. Just if we get at least half sunshine tomorrow, we're going to be golden. But boy, last half mm -hmm. of October, low clouds fill in the valley in the morning and no wind. Oh, yeah. gosh. Yeah. Yeah. We'll see. Um, all right. So for anybody that's just listening to the podcast, we have the upper level pattern uh, pulled up here. And we're going to show you two different slides. Uh, this is about midnight. A snapshot of midnight, the European model showing a weak trough of low pressure moving in from the, the west. And so this system will probably end up bringing uh, some scattered showers as early as maybe 7 o'clock in the evening along the coast and eventually later in the evening, Friday, 
um, into Saturday morning, we'll see those showers spread in. Actually, excuse me, Saturday into Sunday, we'll see those showers spread inland. So we'll be dry today, Friday, and for most of Saturday. But Saturday evening into Sunday, this system will bring in some light showers and slightly cooler temperatures. It's going to be a pretty weak one. Uh, we're not too concerned about this one. but And we're not concerned necessarily about any real systems coming in. But it's system number two that I think is um, a little bit more interesting for us because you know, the lowest the snow level has gone so far. Look at that. Wow. Yeah. Decent, decent trough kind of swinging in um, from the northwest. Uh, models are still trying to get a handle on how far west it'll move over the Pacific Ocean. And I think that'll mm -hmm. help determine how much moisture it drags in and how high the rainfall totals are. But um, it, it's going to bring cooler air in for sure. And I, like I was just saying, the snow level, I think at lowest, has got, gotten down to about 6,000 feet uh, so far this season. This one. This one could bring it down another oh. couple of thousand, couple thousand feet. Um, so this is Mark is bringing up the European model snow level forecast. So if you look at the bottom of the screen, there it's probably good to kind of refresh your memory on how this weather or this uh, graphic works. Bottom of the screen is the timeline. Side of the screen on the left is uh, the snow level in thousands of feet. And then Mark created this graphic and did a great job, kind of uh, highlighting. Roughly what we're looking at in terms of elevation. So about 1,000 feet, west hills of Portland. About 2,000 feet, Sunset Summit um, or the Sunset Rest Area. And then Cascade Pass is around four to 5,000 feet or so. Um, so if you – go ahead, Mark. I was going to say that um, this is based on off 850 millibar temperatures, which I have another graphic, Jeff, that I added in here coming up right after this. Um, it's, and so that's how we do that. It's automated. Um, so in midwinter, sometimes it doesn't work right if we have low level cold air. Um, and then also sometimes a very basic question, people say, what, what does snow level mean? Right. Mm. So we, uh, snow level is the lowest elevation. We expect sticking snow. Sometimes I've had like a boss come to me and say, you said the snow level's at 1500 feet, but I saw snowflakes outside in the rain. And I'm like, well, snow level is generally sticking snow and we can only really forecast that somewhat well to maybe like thousand foot increments just because we say the snow level is going to be at six thousand feet for example a heavy shower could come through and it actually sticks briefly to five thousand feet that can happen easily you know a uh, classic example of well you said the snow level is going to be at four thousand feet but it's much lower actually in this case i'm going to explain the gorge often gets cold air trapped in it and so right. we could have a snow level at about 1,000 to 2,000 feet, but the snow could be falling down to river level in the gorge. So right. because of our microclimates, the snow level forecast doesn't always pertain to every single place. So this is mm -hmm. generally from the metro area to the Mount Hood region. Um, I have to climb in, chime in on this one when you talk about microclimates. The, so this was the bane of my winter existence in central Oregon because we, I've mentioned this before, in Bend specifically, so the higher elevation to the south to the lower elevation of the north were different snow levels. And so I would have to like talk about them in different areas for that very reason because you could have six inches of snow in south end of Bend and nothing. And then people will be like, but you said the snow level, you know, was here. And so those microclimates, man, they get you. They are and so, so tricky. And over there, I suppose you also have a major issue with if there's no, I don't care if the snow level is 2000 feet, if you're at 3000 feet and no precip shows up, you're not going to get snow. So it might be wetter oh, yes. at a higher elevation west or even lower. So there yes, you go. It's so, so tricky. So that's, that's a hard one. 
Okay, so this is how we this is how we make that graphic. This is the 850 millibar temp. Can you guys see that both the time along the bottom and then the uh, temperature mm -hmm. over on the yep. left side? Just mm -hmm. making sure it's all visible. So this is just from the overnight run of the European model. The GFS was similar, a little bit cooler though. So what this shows is um, 850 millibar temperature. Um, this is in Celsius, so zero would say it's at freezing. And uh, this is at around four to 5,000 feet. So if you just take the zero line over here, you say, okay, this is about past elevation right here. All right. If, can you, you can see my little hand, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. So that's about past elevation. The, um, the blue line is either the control or the operational run. Blue is right. control. It's control. Sure. Which yeah. I think is actually different than the operational that the maps we look at it. I think it's actually different, but I could be wrong. Uh, and then the green, which is what I'm most interested in, that's oh. the average of all 51 <laughs> ensemble members. I see so, where you're going with this. And then, um, Jeff, I forget from stats class, these are like the 80% of the members are within these these areas, the boxes. I think that's what that is. It's at one standard deviation, something like that. So basically, make it real simple. Green line is the average of all the members. Most of the members are within the boxes. So what I did notice is the operational is cooler than, especially here next, well, this is way out there. This is uh, nine days out, Saturday mm. the 28th. It's got the uh, snow level below the passes, yet the, which is what, minus two at 850? Yet the mean, the average is around plus four, plus five. So the mean <laughs> is warmer than the operational for next week. So I'm guessing, actually, we can go up here. Whoops. I'm guessing that the trough, yeah, same thing. This is 500 millibar heights, the um, upper levels. Um, the trough coming in both on Wednesday and again on, there must be a second one next Saturday. I didn't look that far ahead. I, I had a day off. Um, is is deeper on the, that trough we saw on the upper level map, the 500 millibar map. Um, mm -hmm. Most of the models, see it's near the bottom next Wednesday. So most most of the ensemble members are not as deep with that trough. But that's what Jeff was talking about, how some models have the troughing weaker and farther east, some a little farther mm -hmm. west. So we don't know for sure if snow is going to make it to the passes. Right. Well, and what right I'm there. looking at there is the 31st. I see that it's nice and high. <laughs> Hopefully you, yeah, we'll you're be going dry. way out there. Yeah, <laughs> I'm thinking I mean, Halloween, trick-or-treating. <laughs> You're right. In general, it doesn't... It, Jeff's shaking it, his yeah. head at me. You're Good way luck. out there. Wait, is that two weeks? Yeah, that's Don't two make weeks. any promises to the trick-or-treaters now, I'm not making any now, promises. Katie. I'm just keeping my eye on that. I have a cardboard box costume that I am making, and I don't want it to get soaking wet. Well, it's the end of October. Uh, I, I was going to add, you know, <laughs> I think a big message for me just looking at this, this is just while I was having my morning coffee, is that there's no sign we're suddenly entering any sort of cold pattern. Yeah, it's uh -huh. going to be cooler next week, but um, then it seems to stay about the same. I mean, plus five. I think average in October must be around plus five or so. I'll have to look that up, but eh, it's about average. I think that's but fair. Snow, snow might um, make it to the passes. I, I will say um, I've seen this a lot uh, during the fall and the winter. Ensembles tend to run a little bit. They, they kind of have a warm bias to them at times. Interesting. Um, so uh, not not to say that the single operational run that we're looking at is going to win out here. Um, but, you know, we'll see. I think that Willamette Pass and Santan Pass, which are higher elevation, could definitely get some snow. Government camp, you know, if it was a 4,000-foot snow level, we might just have wet, wet roads with wet snow right. falling at government camp, which is definitely in the realm of possibility. So um, I think regardless, we'll probably have a little bit more excitement next Tuesday and Wednesday. Um, I agree. And then uh, – yeah, let's let's get into the bigger picture though about winter. Mark, you wrote up a great blog the other day. Uh, if you haven't 
checked out Mark's latest blog on El Nino. Uh, he updated us on the numbers, kind of what we're facing and what this could mean for wintertime. So I think, uh, Mark, you'll, you'll, you can go ahead and take it away now. And I'm uh, curious to hear your thoughts. Um, keep talking. I can't, I can't do two things at once. I'm okay, going to load so, up my graphics here. So I got, let me tell you, I got a lot of El Nino graphics. Where did they go? Well, now, I is, load them up. now is the time of the podcast where Mark is trying to load up graphics and we're just kind of killing time, you know? Well, uh, I'll have something to fill for you. So when you showed the updated upper level <laughs> map, um, that low was much farther to the West than it was last night. I it, noticed it, that too. It, yeah, it last night it looked like it pretty much the low just dropped right down the west coast, just right on the edge there, and then started moving over. So when I saw that, that was way farther over than what I saw last night. As so, Mark has always said, different. looking a little juicier. Yep. Right. <laughs> I'm getting there. I'm almost there, folks. I hear it. No, it's frantic. all good. Just clean your old laptop and only do so much. Here we go. Hey, how about uh, less plows this winter in the metro area? That was an interesting story. Oh, yeah. That's kind of concerning. We had that story um, from ODOT that they have fewer people. They're worried about not as much plowing. It's like, oh. The only silver lining would be that we're we're facing a El Nino winter. And like eight out of 10 years when we have an El Nino winter, we tend to see slightly more mild uh, conditions. That We could still get snow. We could still get you know a couple of big events. But um, odds are uh, we're going to be facing different kind of conditions than a typical La Nina would bring. So, all right. right. Um, so there we go. You can see this, right? The El Nino graphic. Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So El Nino is just, we where we are in an El Nino right now. It's the warming of the ocean in the tropics. I think a lot of us know this over the years. Um, and that's actually, that background graphic is the latest um, anomaly. I have, a, I have a little better one coming up, but um, uh, much of the central uh, Pacific, the tropical Pacific is warmer than average. And when that happens, the warmer ocean affects circulation. Um, I think it's called the Walker circulation Tech, uh, uh, in the Western and Central Pacific kind of moves things around. And that affects weather around the globe and especially here in the North Pacific and uh, the Northern, uh, I'm sorry, the Northern Hemisphere, North Pacific and North America. That's the word I was going for. So last three winters, we were in La Nina, which is a cooling of the tropical Pacific. Models are forecasting a moderate to strong event. And by the way, I, a lot of detail on my weather blog for this as well. So in these winters, what do we tend to see? Well, um, in these winters, this graphic, I'd like to change this graphic, folks, but I just have to, haven't taken the time to do it. Um, we tend to get a stronger southern jet, but more specifically, the jet stream in, in most winters on average is stronger in the western and central Pacific. As it shoots across the Pacific, it does tend to weaken as it approaches North America. So if you look at like the average of any winter, um, the jet stream is strong across central, central and west Pacific. It's a little weaker, but yeah, we get a strong jet stream from time to time here on the coast of west coast of North America. But in El Nino winters, that that strong west and central Pacific jet, is, uh, especially the southern the southern part that kind of moves towards California, that moves closer to the coastline. Basically, it gets stronger in the East Pacific. It strengthens, and so when that happens, the classic Jeff, you grew up in California, the classic wetter in California, right? Oh yeah. Like yeah. you can get the land kind of like the atmospheric river landslide type of deals on the coast. Right. Get pretty dangerous. And so that also um, that also promotes an area of high pressure that develops um, in the upper atmosphere more often in the winter. Remember, these are winter averages more often in Western Canada. So if you do that, you get a bit of a split. And that's one thing I remember from El Nino winters is a lot of 
boring weather. A lot of systems approach, they kind of split. Some go south into California. We get the leftovers and then, you know, it's just not very exciting. So if you have that pattern most of the winter, this is what you're going to get. You're going to get drier and warmer than normal across the northwestern USA into the northern plains and all of western Canada. And you're typically going to get wetter than normal um, in the uh, southern part of the West Coast, really from really from extreme southern Oregon down into um, the desert southwest. So those are the averages. And in fact, if you look at here's a great one. All the are these these are all the El Ninos we've had. I think there have been seven. One, two, three, four, five, six, six. We've had seven El Ninos since 2000. And this is the December to March temperature anomaly. I mean, that's pretty clear, right? Wow. Yeah. Um, so for what, those that you, are just listening, yeah. you want yeah, you want to know that it's more red, darker up in that northwest corner, and then it turns into yellow as you get to the southern part of California, Nevada, and then it turns white for a bit, and then green blue as you head over to the so east. So in, in those, temp, that, and she's Katie is explaining that uh, the red shaded areas indicate that we see mm -hmm. a warm temperature anomaly in the mm -hmm. northwest, and then uh, toward the southern United States, especially the southeast and then the east coast, mm -hmm. uh, more of a cold. Uh, temperature anomaly. Right. And I have a whole spreadsheet for this. You should have a, folks, you should have a spreadsheet for everything. But I've got a spreadsheet for El Ninos, and we will not explain this to anybody that's not watching. But um, um, I, I all the yellow ones here from 1950, the yellows are Strong's El Ninos. Um, I've got the PDO phase in there, which is a Pacific Decadal Oscillation. Often it's just it's just the orientation of the uh, the, the North Pacific. Um, specifically ocean temperatures. Um, and you see, the, in fact, I don't have all these on here. You can't even see them all. That's fine. But the point is I've got a spreadsheet. So then, oops. Oh, oh, I, the one way we measure the, um, the main way, I guess that we measure, we don't, but the NOAA folks do, is by the ocean temperatures in the middle and central and eastern Pacific. There's an area called the Nino 3.4 region. And this just, this is just a graphic, you know, my, how do I get this out of here? Maybe just click the graphic. Oh, 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 you know what? No. Oh, make the graphic. There we go. There you go. There, we go. there we go. I got rid of it. Um, and this shows where we are. Uh, the September, the ONI or Oceanic Nino Index was up to 1.7. I think that's what it is. 1.6, somewhere in there. And um, anytime it's above a 0.5 here, this is the El Nino threshold. So we've been in um, real-time El Nino conditions since late May or June. Now, for episodes of El Nino, NOAA classifies it by three-month averages. So the three-month average, we weren't really, um, we weren't officially in El Nino until like August or Boy, September. We are, mm -hmm. we are following a different, there's a track that we're following almost to a T. I don't know what year that was. You see that, Mark? Yeah. Yeah, it's the one right folks, below what it. you can't see is there's lots of little gray lines and we're the big blue line. Yeah. <laughs> I, uh, and you see some that are stronger. As, yeah. You know, like 1983, mm -hmm. the uh, there were three huge ones, 82, 83. I think 97, 98, and then 2015, 16. I'm guessing those are these high ones up here. Strong El Ninos, yeah. But there's more to it. I've got more. Anyway, so the point is we're way up into El Nino territory now. Let's see. I've got so many graphics down here. What, oh, I know this one. This one's good. So I actually went through these winters in the past and said, I want to know, like, for regular people here in the Pacific Northwest, what kind of happened that winter? What was the feeling for that winter? So I'll make the text larger here. The last... Oh, and, 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 I noticed when I was looking through my info, 2019, 2020, I considered it an El Nino, actually was not. It was uh -huh. just under, it was, it, it didn't quite, 
well, it was 0.5 on the for several months in uh, a row. But Noah says that wasn't technically an El Nino. The, these are all man-made numbers, right? Or person-made numbers, I should say. But so the last El Nino really was 2018, 19. And that winter, you see very mild winter. Uh, we did have a very weird mid-February to mid-March cold spell. That was the year you showed up, Jeff, right? I was just going to say that that was my first I, – I arrived in March, and I, I recall you saying split flow a lot. And I was like, I got to start adding that to my terminology. I think that is the only instance since 1980, at least, where I, where I looked through everything, where there was any sort of late-season cold. Look at oh. all the rest of these. Very mild, no Arctic blast. Very mild, no Arctic blast. This one had a very mild, uh, 94, 95. Snowstorm mid-February, I remember that, but that was just a few-day event there. In fact, that one might have been a one- or two-day event. Very mild, fifth warmest winter. 97, 98, very mild all winter, but great three-day ice snow in early January. Oh, mm. 203. Oh, that was so boring, that one. Very mild. Nothing happened. We were worried about drought that year. I think March saved us. Oh, 0405. That was a disaster ski season, which we will get to in a minute. Mild. There was a brief Ooh. ice storm in mid-January. 0607 was a cool one. That's interesting. Not many of those. And we can have a big Arctic blast in an El Nino winter. Um, 2009, 20, uh, 2010. Hard freeze. I remember that was a big blast of cold air in December. But we had very little. I, I think we just kind of warmed up and there wasn't much moisture at the end. We had no significant snow with that one. I want to As hear about came... this disaster of mm -hmm. the ski season. In 04, well, skiers know the disaster years are 91, 92. There it is. That was a strong year. 04, 05. And then I think a lot of us remember this 2014, 15. Um, we have pictures. I think that's the year. Yeah, we have. Uh, I, there's a picture in my directory of Timothy Lake. There's no snow. It looks like a summer day there. It's like in the 60s on like February 28th. And I, I also have a picture oh. of the top of Ski Bowl with patches of snow at the end of February that year. Wow. Was that was that one of the years where Ski Bowl didn't even open? Because I remember I there's... they were open for maybe a month. Wow. Okay, because there was one I seem to remember in recent history that they didn't even open. Or maybe it was open for a very, very short amount of time. Was that Willamette Pass possibly? That could have been. I think I remember Them Willamette too. Pass oh, hardly that... even open. There, that that happened while I was in Central Oregon, for sure. I remember yeah. one year we didn't open at all, but I feel like I remember Ski Bowl. Maybe it was just a month or two, but it was yeah. like it it didn't open for very long at all. And I think I could be wrong, but in this o four o five, I thought even way up at Meadows they had a, a, a big issue. Like through the bulk of the winter, they were barely open or something like that. Yeah. Um, and in, in many of these years, suddenly in March we get snow. And their best skiing is in March or even early April because, you know, spring wet weather hits and it's enough for the higher ski areas to get snow. Boy, what do they so, do with those season passes? Like, if they well, have... <laughs> I know I, it probably depends I, on the ski resort. I don't know if you know oh, the rules, but Mark, you probably have an idea. <laughs> um, I don't know. I'll leave that to the ski areas. All right. <laughs> you're, you're on your own, folks. You, you discuss that with your ski area. Ooh. Okay. So here's Portland snowfall. And I really want to emphasize, sometimes I will, have, have, will hear people say, well, El Nino, that means no snow in Portland, right? No. Uh, we've had three snowstorms in the last 10 El Nino winters. I mean, uh, 2019, we had, I think we had several inches. It wasn't a huge snowstorm, but I'm, I mean, two inches or more, I'm calling a snowstorm, right? Um, 07, yeah. January of 07, I was down at a weather conference and snowed. Oops. I was in San Antonio. 98 was a snowstorm as well. 95 had a snowstorm, but you see a few where we don't get snow. So I'd say kind of a, kind of a crapshoot there if we're allowed to say that. So there's my summary. Uh, most likely we're going to have a generally milder and drier winter than average on the way, or at least milder temps with normal rain if we get lucky. 
and this is a summary straight off my blog. Long periods of cold or snow are pretty unlikely this year, not like 2016, 17, where we just kept having events coming back over and over and cold air was stuck east side. I think that's unlikely, but that. we could see a snow or an ice storm at some point. You should be planning for that. Um, widespread regional flooding is unlikely. We just, we just don't have all the action heading towards us. Mm-hmm. And one bad bit of the news, one thing people really hate is that cold east wind in the winter blowing out of the gorge into the eastern, about third of the metro. Um, a lot of those years, because we have more high pressure and kind of stagnant weather, we get more wind, more wind on the east side of town. Yeah. So, so Mark, um, I was reading your blog and you listed, you, you had a pretty interesting graphic of snow um, at government camp uh, during El Nino years. And um, you showed that, you kind of showed regardless of El Nino, just historically what the average snowfall is at government camp, um, which I think, if I'm not mistaken, it was like, is it 156 or 256 inches per season? Like this? I bet this is the graphic. Let's see. I got more graphics. Let's see if it loads. I've got, uh, I've, I've got three graphics here. Okay, let's, let's see go if with uh, it's loading. See this graphic. No, not loading. Not that one. Not that one. Well, I've got three. Let's see the third. December that's the one. February snow. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. No, let's that's do, not it. Well, but, let's just do this. Hold your thought okay. and see if I cover it right here. Um, this just shows w- total winter snowfall, which includes all the way into March and April or May for that matter. Mount Hood Meadows, they measure when they are open at Mount Hood Meadows. You know, I mean, they, they won't measure in the fall until they open up and they stop measuring when they close, but that's, you know, early May. And in El Nino winters, you see the blue average is government camps average, which did you just say, Jeff, it's around 250 or 240? It's come down a little bit over the long Oh, term. I thought that, that was just the long-term average, not including El Nino. I right, thought. right. Okay. Long-term average for any year at, at Skeeble is at 5,000 feet. And then the, the red is the long-term average at Meadows, although that only goes back to 1980. Which is much more. And you more. can see, yeah, which is much more higher elevation, right? It's 4,000 yeah. feet versus 53 or 5,400 feet. Right. And I guess the point here is, yeah, a lot of El Ninos down at government camp are below average. Actually, so I looked at all the – you had a different graphic that showed every El Nino year. And I was curious right. how many years were below average and how many years were above average. Eight, about 8 out of 10 of the years, or about 80% of the time rather, we see below average snowfall at government camp during El Nino. And if I recall, uh, since 1970, every El Nino has produced below normal snowfall at government camp. Yeah, the, the above average people. years were a long time ago. <laughs> So, yeah, right. Um, and you'll see that coming up in the, so this is the whole winter. Okay. And notice at the higher elevations, it's a little more reasonable there. I mean, there have been that 2014, 15, it was really bad. Oh, four oh five. but you know, a lot of El Nino years, you go higher up, you're still getting 300 inches of snow. So that's enough to ski. All right. So maybe more important is what happens in November and December, which is sets the base. If we can get a base on the ground snow, unless we get a big pineapple express, snow doesn't really go anywhere. Yeah, it gets hard and it's a cascaded concrete, but we can survive a winter skiing if we can get a bunch of snow at some point in November, December. We get three to five feet on the ground, we're probably okay. All right. So this is the average for any uh, November, December. It's about 80 inches at government camp. Uh, I'm sorry, average for November, December total. Average your 80 inches those two months. But notice the El Nino average for those two months, eh, 64 inches. It's a little bit lower. Hmm. Uh, but you notice in some, let me get this up. This is in the way. 
Oh, oh, that's just right. Let me zoom, zoom in, zoom in yeah. a little. There, there you go. go. Um, you notice um, there are some November and December El Nino years where they get above average snowfall. In 94, 95, there was 110 inches up there. They were set for the season, even if things went downhill later. Uh, 06, 07, there was plenty in November and December. 09, 10, there was a bunch, 90 inches in those two months. Then you're set. 15 and 16, in fact, that was a very warm winter, but somehow we got, oh, December was extremely wet. We had mudslides and all sorts of issues, but there was enough snow on the mountains so that then Christmas break was okay. And actually the last El Nino 2018, December, uh, we had snowfall at just the right time. There was a big dump just before Christmas. So all the kids had a good time skiing and snowboarding at Christmas time. But then later on, things kind of petered out. Boy, yeah, it, it seems like, you know, history is telling us, especially recent history, to not bank on a good snowpack, at least in the lower right. elevations of the Cascades. Right. And uh, this is more pronounced the farther north you go. Uh, Whistler 2010 Olympics. Remember, they had issues getting the snow, oh, and it was yeah. kind of a rain-snow mix because Whistler is, is at a relatively low elevation. But that was that was an El Nino year in uh, 0910. Um, here's December through February snow at government camp during El Nino winter. So this is the prime ski season, December, January, February. And you can see we haven't had a, an amazing December, January, February since 68, 69, the year I was born. So it's been a while, let's just say, okay? Yeah. Well, we talked but about then, this one of the times ago when we were talking about Ninos is that usually in November, December, you know, before things like as the splitting is happening, we talked about that, you know, where, mm -hmm. you know, and if, so if we're not doing well with getting that November, December, and that's typically in an El Nino, before, you know, before everything kind of gets mild for us, that's not, that's not right. setting us up very well. Yeah. So there's an, I, I, my summary just on the blog, um, increased chance this year will be more challenging for skiing. It'll be tougher to find regular powder days. So when it does happen, you got to call in sick folks, take a PTO day, <laughs> get on the slopes quickly. Cause it, three days later, we may be back in a warmer setup. Uh, best mm. chance for good snow is up high. A lot of warmer than normal systems. It's unlikely we have a total, like just a blowout season, like 91, 92, 04, 05, 14, 15. But the risk for a train wreck season is a little bit higher. Um, but a lot of buts and ands and could be's, um, we can get a surprise. Look at the last season where we had Jeff, when you first showed up, we were in a cold spell. We'd had amazing, um, snow. It was a snowiest February during an El Nino at government camp. Mm. That's unusual. I don't know why it set up. We had cold northerly flow at times for five weeks in February and early March. So something bizarre could happen. And we're, you know, suddenly at the end of the season. Wow. But I think that's unlikely. Most El Ninos don't do that at the end of the season, unless something has changed circulation-wise. And snowpack for water use, I mean, there's a decent chance we will have a drier than normal year across northern and central Oregon, but um, spring can make up for that. Spring can make up for that. So, yeah. and just to kind of quickly review, Mark, Mark showed that first slide, uh, or one of the first slides, and this is, we've heard, you know, rumblings that this is going to be a super El Nino. There is nothing suggesting that at this point but what could be a wild card with this el nino is it's not we're not just seeing a warm anomaly in the tropical eastern pacific ocean we are seeing a warm temperature anomaly going on in the sea surface temperatures elsewhere in the pacific ocean and also in the atlantic ocean i mean there are some really warm areas uh in the oceans right now so what that may do to our weather going into winter is well it's to be determined at this point um so Really interesting stuff, though, Mark. Um, Do you see the? Um, can you see the anom the anomaly chart here or mm -hmm. the the, the map? Mm -hmm. What Jeff was just talking about. 
still loading up. Oh, there we go. Yeah. Yep. A lot of, yeah. So this year's a bit different because we have a warm, oh, yeah, warm tropical Pacific surrounded by all that warm water, like you said, Jeff. So does that make something different? Um, okay. And here's one other thing. We're not going to belabor this one, but there's a, there is also something called the MEI index, which is um, multivariate ENSO index. And I, I don't have that graphic here. I'm, I didn't bring it in. It, it uses five different, uh, um, five different variables. And that chart, that um, MEI um, indice right, index right now is, is much weaker. So it, it takes into account more of the stuff going on in the atmosphere overhead. This uh, Joe Pistardi at, at, um, at Ac, um, not at AccuWeather, at Weather Bell. Let me zoom in here. Um, he just has, um, just see the circled numbers here. You're like, I don't even know what I'm looking at, but these are just all the years since 2000. And the circled ones are the, the, the MEI, all these are the MEI index, but notice they're all in the weak, cat, weak to moderate category. Nah, more like weak, including this one, 0. 0.6. 2015 was strong, but all these others were weak. So this is, this is not acting like 2015 and 97 and 82. This is not acting like a strong El Nino that way. So in those years, if we only do those weak El Ninos, um, precipitation anomaly, wow, it's even worse. So if, if we were to have, if it acts more like a weak to moderate El Nino, then we could be, we could have a drought year. That's a possibility Which, as well. A lot of um, climate scientists are saying with high confidence that next year is expected to be the warmest year on record globally. Or this year. Oh, the, next year too. Yeah. Yeah. Following the onset of the El Nino. So right. let's hope that we don't, you know, enter some kind of drought situation going into a really warm summer because that would pose some critical fire danger to us here in the Northwest. All right. Wild cards. Ooh, I like this. That, that's Jeff, you were ahead of me. You had that one. Yeah. What, what, how does that affect the circulation? If you have warm water ever, almost everywhere, does that, does that change the circulation? Somehow we don't know. Um, and the MEI index significantly weaker for now, indicating this El Nino may not act as a strong El Nino and maybe more of the typical, you know, really boring winter, drier than average. And we don't basically when we have a strong El Nino, more of that southern jet makes it up here and we're wetter. If you look at just the major El Ninos, the, the huge ones, 82, 83, 97, 98, 2015, 16, those were all wetter than average in the Pacific Northwest. The whole West Coast gets wet in that, with that setup. But that may not be the case this year. Maybe we'll act more like a um, weak or moderate El Nino. So I would say if you're a skier or snowboarder, keep your expectations relatively low for this uh -huh. season. I mean, I'm not saying don't don't go out and get your ski pass or anything like that. But um, Mark just laid it out. You know, typically the lower parts of the Cascades suffer during El Nino years, but we can have great years in the higher elevations, right. or we've had rather. So um, ultimately, we're not going to know how this plays out until it actually does, right? So well, that, yeah. that pretty much covers our entire careers. Right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, we can only do so much forecasting, and beyond seven days, nobody really truly knows how this is going to work or how right. play out. So. Um, I thought that was a great discussion, though. Um, thanks for that, Mark, for providing all those great graphics. And of course, um, Katie, you're off today and tomorrow. Is that correct? Yep, yep. it's my my weekend, my Saturday Sunday. Good for you, Camilla is yeah. back. She just finished up an Ironman in yes. Kona, Hawaii. Uh, she told me yeah. last night it was her best Ironman results she'd had. It was her best or triathlon. One. That's really neat. Think, yeah, yeah. And, um, yeah, I can't, I can't wait week, to hear we'll, from her. We should talk to her all about that next week. Yeah, that we'll have her on and see, give her or get her opinion on that. See totally. How went. Um, well, yeah. 
enjoy these last, potentially these last uh, 70 plus degree days uh, today and tomorrow, everybody. And obviously have a great weekend. We're going to have some dry football games, which is a win. Um, And then we'll be keeping a close eye on next week's weather system. I think next week when we record this podcast, we'll be talking about just how low those snow levels ended up going. So have a great weekend and we'll see you soon. Please tell us about the weather.